You can get in your fancy yells, you can drink them by the flagon, but the only food for the brave and true comes from the green dragon. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to another Kylie's Around the World SBG Tour thing recap. Well, I don't know what, I, the, the name is changing pretty much every time I say this, but uh, yeah, we're here in Worcester. Worcester, I think is actually supposed to be called, but you know, I, I like Worcester better. It makes it sound more, you know, enigmatic of uh, a more powerful, you know, stronger name, I, I guess you could say. So yeah this is going to be an absolute uh amazing recap here i have three absolutely spectacular games with some of the locals down here um in the south of the uk and yeah I, you guys are gonna love these games uh i will preface i did come in today one of this tournament a little hungover um yeah bnb uh guest i was staying with had a couple of other peoples and we kind of just went out for a girls night uh you know went out got some drinks and i think i drank just a little bit too much uh not not enough that some you know uh some 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 greasy breakfast and some paracetamol can cure it in the morning so once we got into round one we we're ready and raring to go and yeah big shout outs to the crew down there I, I have some really cool stuff to share with you so first of all game one we are playing command the battlefield and i was up against ben now ben was running pure dale all dale the legendary legion you know we got Bar uh, Brand, uh, the King of Dale, Bar the Second, and we had two captains in there as well. Now, I won priority on the first turn, and my roll, my first roll was pretty awful. Uh, a two on Brogan meant he came on near the corner, but fortunately, I was able to salvage that with Rutabi, um, the Captain, uh, and the Dragon Emperor all rolling uh, fours, fives, and sixes, and came on kind of in a protective formation around Rogue Gear in uh, one corner of the table. Now, my opponent had rolled well as uh, pretty well as well. His first Warband roll was a two for Brando, so he was banished, uh, banished, uh, super well, not super far away, kind of off to the parallel side. Uh, in hindsight, probably should have brought Brand a lot closer, but um, yeah, I mean then's the breaks that that's that's just kind of what happens uh wait no brand brand rolled a three sorry my mistake brand rolled a three and mited it to a four and went into the complete opposite side of the board and bard and the captain uh both uh came on where they wanted uh interestingly though one captain did roll a two and instead of getting banished uh, uh sorry not banished but uh, forced to come right in front of my army. I started to point him to use a point, a single point of might to go down to a one and keep him off the board. Now it was really interesting because uh, it gave him uh, potential and options uh, going into turn two to really kind of come into an interesting position. So I drummed on turn one, took some space, uh, moved out to the edges of my table quarter, and basically just waited to see what my opponent did. And my opponent decided to drop, um, uh, basically get a nice big concave, basically take uh, control of three of the four tables quarters and start to push up to the middle in a nice concave. He was getting his archers in position, getting them up onto some hills and high ground for some defensive position. And these are going to come in big later. I moved up and uh, once my opponent has finished his turn, he rolled his last warband and rolled another two. Now, instead of using the last point of might to go back down to a one, he decided to bring them on board. And I decided, you know what? Bugger this, I'm going to stick you in my face and then I'm going to charge you. And that's what happened. He threw it in and on turn three, I went in and charged. Now, 
my opponent, I think, was trying to, uh, Ben was trying to, like, delay me and slow me down, um, which he did do to an extent, but I don't think in the way he was hoping. I managed to get the Emperor in the round with the Captain, and Rotabi went into some front line into the Knights, even though they got the plus one to win back. And, yeah, I basically traded two points of might for a heroic move and a heroic combat, got the Emperor in a really nasty position, pushed him right forward, and basically used him to screen the rest of my army, whilst Rutabi and the Acolytes uh, cleaned up the bulk of his force. So, in the end, I traded two points of might um, and an Acolyte for the entirety of his warband, including the Captain, which I feel was a pretty damn good trade. To trading an Acolyte and two might points for 11 models, kind of for free, uh, as well as some, a couple of other random models that got uh, picked off by the Archers, I felt was a good point, uh, a good thing. I positioned the Captain off the heroic combat in a really great spot, so that next turn I could heroic march and call the drum and get right up in the Dale's face, which is exactly what I did. I pushed up into the kind of the pseudo middle uh, where my opponent was, uh, set up the recharge next turn, and then ran some cavalry and some guys up the side to try and get the flank in behind them. But the interesting part that happened here is my opponent, uh, Ben, he put a kind of a picket line and um, on that far flank on the other side of the house, so I had to cut through the picket line to get in behind the rest of the force. But this is where the game took an interesting turn. Now, whilst my opponent's archery was picking off cataphracts like they were just paper mache, uh, my main line absolutely destroyed the Dale. Like, I figured the Dale would die slowly, but they did not. They died quickly. And it got to the point where I had to really count Ben's models to make sure I wasn't overkilling all of these Dale, because I didn't want him to break and possibly end the game too soon. And when I, uh, so I kept him from, uh, from, from one from broke for, uh, broken for a little while. And then I went in all in, got him overkilled past the break point. And then it wasn't until I did that, that I realized my opponent has Swarm Protector on literally every model, including the leader, which was like, why does the leader Swarm protect himself? It's, it's, it's very strange, but. Yeah, it turns out that this game was going to be going on for a long, long time. So I had to rethink my strategy about how I was going to do it. I sent some uh, cavalry into the far quarter that I couldn't quite really capture, and then really pushed hard with the Dragon Knight, uh, Dragon Emperor, and the remnants of uh, uh, Brogir, Rutabi, and the Captain's kind of like hit squad, and really push up towards the hill that uh, Brand had decided to make his last stand on. And this is where I had a huge respect for Brogir. Brogir, first off, got a tremor off uh, on Brand up on his little hill, uh, but he also managed to get a kill on one of the Dale and knock Brand down, which meant I could then climb Rotabi up the side of this cliff into a really threatening position on Brand next turn. And next turn, this is where the game swung super hard. I called the channel, threw the channel Blade Wrath at Rutabi, and went into Brand with a strength 10 Rutabi and tore his head off. It was an absolutely astonishing. Like I couldn't believe how much damage you can get. And I didn't get I did a lot, I smartly didn't get the trap. Instead I forced ran off the bridge, but it did uh, kind of like the little outcrop, but it didn't matter. I got the kill with the basic strikes and put Brand into the dirt. And at the end of that turn, the game ended. Bard tried to get some stuff going with his little hit squad, but I had already won the main engagement, so I was able to bring some models back to my uh, original starting quarter and capture three of the four table quarters with double the amount of the models. Now, th that remember that three cataphract hit squad that went, that uh, had a, well, it actually started off as five cataphracts that got whittled down by the shooting down to three. Those shooting was clutch because it allowed Ben to snag a couple of extra VP, a uh, couple of extra kills, and specifically 
actually allowed him to capture that table quarter specifically for the 10 to uh, win my favor, but particularly deny me some victory points, which was very, very crucial going into this last hand. It was, um, all, all in all, a really interesting game, very macro-intensive uh, game. I am not too sure about the uh, Warband coming on to delay. I think maybe it could have come on at least a little bit off if you wanted to go for the delay, you know. Uh, the might maybe come on back to the one and try and reroll to make it a little bit more of a, a wider front. But my opponent had played very well. He tried to secure all the table quarters, and at the start of the game, he did. He had three of the four table quarters, basically under his control. He had a 50-model Dale army, which is absolutely insanity. But, hey, Aislings apparently are very good, and they're very mobile and fast. The drum was the MVP in this game, with Brogy coming in a clutch second with a couple of really key blade rats that allowed me to cut some holes in the line. So, Brogy... Rogier is turning into a absolute menace, and I'm glad I put him in the uh, in the case because I wasn't going to bring him. I was going to favor the Dragon Knight more, but ever since uh, ever since um, um, uh, uh, Alex and Michael at Masters during Articon, I kind of sung Rogier's praises. I I decided to bring him into this uh, game, and as you'll find out in the next two games. Brogy's doing some work. Brogy's going to be doing some work in these next two games. So game two, I'm up against Ryan. Uh, in uh, Divide and Conquer, and as as a uh, scenario, that's, I, that is exactly the strategy I went with, with was uh, Divide and Conquer. Now, my opponent was running the Balrog Legendary Legion with two Black Shield Shamans. Ew, disgusting, nasty. I don't like it, I don't like it. But fortunately for me, I did have the mobility, so I was able to run, run, run straight at the Shamans with with all my cav, a good portion of the uh, Dragon Emperor's Warband, and really go in and start to push some pressure on that Warband and those Shamans. The Shamans got lucky that they had some ter uh, difficult terrain near them. They were able to kind of escape a little bit. But unfortunately, the Shadows just weren't getting. He was rolling ones and twos, and the one Shadow that he get did get off on the big six on the Dragon Emperor, the Dragon Emperor went, right, three will, might point, go away. So he did suck out the might point there, which I think was pretty impactful. Um, particularly later, as you'll find out. But at the end of the day, Shadows were useless. I kept all my weapons on me, and I managed to assassinate both of the Shamans in the corner, as well as the whole world, which put me in a really strong position going to deal with the Dalrog. Now, the rest of my army was giving the Balrog a wide berth, making sure they were no closer than 14 inches. And then there was one point where I just I had to go in to kill the Shamans. The Balrog was like, well, screw this. I'm going to whip into combat. He hit my drake pulled it into combat and was able to get right up into rutabi's face this was this was a big part of the game and yeah the Balrog just went gangbusters and then i and i can't i can't stress this enough how gangbusters this Balrog went he never lost a combat the entire game i'm talking a six every combat and to make matters worse every time i went for the strike i went for three strikes against the Balrog in this game every strike rolled a two and i just couldn't get to that elusive by ten and if the Balrog's rolling sixes, there's not much you can do to slow him down. Now, Brogy was forced into this awkward position. He was trying to tag him with Rutabi, you know, Blade Wrath, you know, get the strength up. He was forced to use Might to get his Fury off. He was forced to call her at move, so he didn't have any of the channeled strength tension shenanigans. Not that it would have helped, uh, considering I couldn't get to fight 10. And, yeah, it was, it was, I was on the ropes. Uh, well, not so much on the ropes, but I was under pressure by this unstoppable force that was the Balrog. Now, the Balrog went in, eventually got the Rotabi kill, uh, killed it just straight up, uh, and uh, put pressure on Brogy to the point where Brogy had to duck out the back, 
call the the war drum over so he could drum to get out of dodge he had the fury which was a big part of of, of everything in this list that the fury was what was going to keep me in this game and keep me moving until the late game now i decided uh to go hard engaging to the goblins with the uh with uh the kind of remnants of my cav as well as um uh, the Dragon Emperor and he's kind of sorty. They cut through the goblins like they were paper mache. If there was, if the Balgan was winning every combat, I was winning every combat against the goblins. I think the goblins only killed like two Eastlings the entire game, and that's saying something because the the Balrog broke my army by himself. He got twenty kills by the end of the game, and was just ripping things to shred. And there was one clutch moment where the Balrog moves within three inches. He pins in the um the Emperor because I was I was down to my last might point at this point calls the shadow and flame special from the legion sets the emperor on fire does a wound which i i knock off with fate but the main thing was he got the emperor ablaze and as you're about to find out in the next turn that was really really important he came in i threw blogie's last uh will point before the, the fury would fizzle to get uh the strength six on the emperor figuring you know palaquin emperor that's a lot of strikes at strength six and yeah, got got the Balrog trapped, went for the strike with the Elven Blade, another two, couldn't win the combat, Balrog goes in, does three wounds to the Emperor, the Emperor survives on one wound, and now I think everyone here is knows exactly what's going to happen here. One wound Emperor with no might, will, or fate, and is set ablaze, yeah, you guys guessed it. He died to the set of blaze, and the pal he fell off the palaquin in a flaming heap. The palaquin, the little dragons, and the palaquin uh, always are on fire too, but they all survived, uh, luckily. And yeah, they they spent the next turn kind of extinguishing the flames and rolling off because I got priority. But yeah, it was it was brutal, brutal. And uh, yeah, what, what what can you do against such reckless hate of the Balrog? Just absolutely mincing through my list. Uh, his wit was on fire, like literally on fire getting kills on the engage he picked off my uh captain with a nasty heroic combat into him i uh, just i just couldn't get away at that point and, and yeah that was really putting pressure on me now i had the objective secured i had all three objectives but the problem was my opponent had the leader kill and had the break so there was a lot of points in the bag for him still on the table and this is where it gets really 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 clutch because the balrog if the game had kept going, he could have bar barged off a hurt combat, gone in, pushed some models off the objective, and then cleaned up. Now, I had cleaned up all the goblins, but I was down to maybe 10, 12 models at the end of this game, and I had three or four of them on the other objective. So I only had three models contesting that center, uh, three, four, or five models contesting that center objective, and the Balrog definitely, with a good whip kill into two, barged them off the objective, and then killed the remaining two could have definitely pulled the game back in his flavor. But luckily for me, the game ended on the first roll and I was able to walk away with a 7-3 nail biter. My God, I have never seen a Balrog this aggressive, this this on fire, quite literally, and getting my own models on fire too. But hats off to Ryan. He played in it. He kept peeling for the Balrog, kept putting the Balrog in these advantageous positions. And yeah, this was an absolutely gorgeous game. Pushed me to the limit and... Yeah, forced me to really think about how I was going to position my heroes. Um, Brogir, again, another clutch MVP for him. His fury was what was keeping me in it, particularly after I lost the Emperor, the Captain, and Rutabi. His fury was 
the only thing that was saving me. I was able to like duck him on one objective, keep that objective alive, pull him across, get a cataphracting range, and then send that cataphract all the way to the fire objective to make sure I kept securing those VPs. And because yeah, my opponent had ancient evil. I was down to just the courage four test, and as you all know, courage tests at the end game when there's objectives on the table, it gets a bit spooky when you take in those tests, and I could have very easily failed a bunch of them and lost. But yeah, interesting game. The only model my opponent left at the end of the game was the drum, the physical drum that I had not got a model into base contact to destroy, and the Balrog. So, yeah, very interesting. Funny how one model left and they're still not broken uh, because of their, their special rule, but yeah, absolutely blinder of a game. Great game. Loved it. Ryan, all the best in the rest of the tournament, but on to game three. Now, game three. Now, I've been told I say banger a lot, and this game was a banger, but I need to use some other adjectives for this game. So, marvellous, stupendous, the most macro and micro intensive game you'll ever see in your lives this game was absolute straight fire no pun intended uh this was against sam uh in fog of war against a lake town uh, iron hills alliance so my opponent was sporting 48 models that's right 48 this is insane 48 models at 800 like this, this is a lot of guys i'm gonna have to cut through to try and win this game so he had bard alfred both of the girls uh, a captain and dane and yeah this game as you're gonna hear is is really really fun so turns out we, we drop down do the fog of war stuff and now i've picked to protect Brogear in this game and I've also chosen to uh, try and kill Alfred. I figure maybe I can sneak a cab in at the back towards the late game after I whittle Danny's forces. I don't think he's going to give me any heroes. I was debating Dane, figuring Dane has to come forward and, and punch and hit things. But I figured it's there's too many variables where Dane, I just I just can't get into Dane. And even with the Blade Wrath, as you'll see, it, it can get a bit dicey. So I went with that. I picked an objective off the far left. And the reason I picked this objective this terrain feature on the far left was because my opponent was predominantly on the far right and had a wood that was kind of blocking him to 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 duck across to the left so first turn i moved up with the drum and a march got really far right up into my opponent's face making sure i had this position to really really abuse the fact that i'm a lot faster and taking space on the table now his shooting was kind of lackluster, although Bard did get one kill, but it put me in this great position for turn two, where I called the channel with Brogear. Now, as you know, channel with Brogear is really interesting, because you don't know where it's going to go. My opponent didn't want to come all the way forward, because it meant he could cop a, a, a captain, a Rutabi, or a, a, an emperor to the face with a strength 10 hit, strength 10 strikes, very nasty. Could mean um, that a Tremor could come through with the 2d6 range, rather than the 1d6 range. Again, very scary. So my opponent was like, no, don't want any of this. Refused the whole choke point between this like head in the center of the table and, and the wood and kept everything out of uh, 15 inches of grow gear. And I kind of grinned to myself because this is exactly my plan. I was hoping my opponent would be too shy to go into that choke because I didn't want him there. I wanted to make sure that that army stayed as far away from my objective as possible so I could take the space with my troops and with the Emperor. And I had a backup plan for that channel. Fury is always good. And in a scenario where you've got to kill heroes, having a couple of extra stays on my heroes would be very, very important going forward. So I ran Brogy forward, dropped the Fury, got it off, which was really nice. And then, yeah, took the space. Now, there was some late town off on the side. They were starting to, like, skirt back into the wood trying to get away. And my cavalry just zoomed 20 inches, then 15 inches up the flank to put a threat uh, on that wooded side. And, yeah, this is game 
basically where the game turned on. Uh, I moved forward more into the choke, made sure I, uh, Bard couldn't get in, but I allowed Day to charge because I had some sneaky shenanigans that I could get, uh, get in, had some, some cool stuff that I could do there, but unluckily for me, my opponent was very, very crafty with his moves. He made sure that he blocked off the avenues for Rikabi to get back into Dane, blocked off the avenues for the Emperor to get back into Dane, and put me in this really awkward position of how I was going to set up the rest of the fights for the rest of this game. And as you're about to find out, this game this game comes down to a lot of really clutch rolls by a few things. Now, the cavalry kept swinging around the flank. Uh, the late town uh, on his uh, right flank, my left, uh, instead of contesting the objective, decided to move into the forest. And he had about uh, eight uh, models, four dwarves for late town, move up on the right flank to contest and try and capture his own objective. Now, this is where some of my earlier decision makings of bringing uh, my drakes to hide behind some of my own the train features on my side of the board and a couple of, of cab models uh, played in huge, huge amounts. They were able to kind of shepherd and, and guard against uh, my opponent potentially being able to deny the VP, the full VPs, uh, excuse me, uh, potentially deny the VPs by getting a model into base contact with his objective. At the start of the game, we did agree, by the way, base contact is what counts for the objectives. Um, and yeah, this, this game was interesting. So Bard, on the next turn after combats, um, came in with Dane into this kind of choke, and this was really dicey for me, because the point where they engaged one was on the other side of the Emperor's base. Now, the Emperor has a huge, huge base, which can be advantageous, but as I found out in this particular instance, was very detrimental because I couldn't get more of my pikemen, who had overextended a little bit towards the wood, to come back and actually guard off that, that, that like, crucial three-inch gap between the Emperor and this, this, this ruined terrain feature in the center of the fort that was basically fully impassable. Now... Bard and Dane absolutely went gangbusters. He decided to call the heroic combats even though Rutabi was in six, and it seemed to be a good trade. He basically was trading two of his own models for four of mine, and it was paying off. He kept getting the kills, kept putting pressure, and I got to the point where I had basically one easterling pikeman between Bard and him breaking through and getting the full trap and surround on my line. And yeah, this next roll-off was pretty key. I won the heroic move roll-off with Brogia, and I was able to reposition my army. I pulled back my pikemen, clustered them up against the wall, and then stuck uh, the dragon emperor right up in Dane and Bard's face, redefining the choke point and redeforming my line. That was a big part about this move, was getting the line reformed. And I once I got that, I felt so much more confident going into the rest of the game. My cavalry had finally circumnavigated and come back around the wood. They were threatening his back line, and he was forced to pull back about eight or nine models to make sure he had the big guard so that Tilda, um, Sigrid, uh, Tilda, Sigrid, and Alfred couldn't be just randomly charged by a random model. We went into the next phase, and this is where I think the game maybe not decided, but, but swung on the knife. On, on that knife edge, uh, Bard opted for a heroic combat, even though there was a Blade Wrath uh, um, Dragon Emperor right in front of him, and so did Dane. Now, Rutabi called one in response, as well as the uh, Emperor. The reason being I called one with the Emperor, even though Rutabi and Emperor were in the same combat, was because there was this, this weird situation where if Dane won the heroic combat roll-off and gone into Rutabi, it meant that the Emperor obviously was out of the combat now, so he couldn't go bounce into Dane, so I had to call my own one with the Emperor, putting him out of might. Now, I went into Bard, got into the combat, I won the roll-off there, got in, traded some fights back with Dane. Dane punched a massive hole in my line, which was absolutely brutal. It actually left a, 
a uh, 25 mil gap between Rutabi and the Emperor. So there was a chance that next turn Dane could move forward, get in behind, um, and, and really start making a mess of me. Maybe force me to bring the captain in to, to try and, you know, rob some of the charge bonuses and stuff off Dane. But luckily for me, uh, I was able to win combat against Bard. And, and this is crucial here. Bard decided not to use the might points to chase the fight six. Instead, he decided to lose the combat and keep his two mites for the fate roll, which was huge. Interestingly, I decided to just throw one random strike at the horse, which killed on the first roll on a six. I was like, I was pretty happy with this, you know, got the horse. Maybe we can chip some bunch of wounds. And I got four wounds on Bard. And this is the big one. Bard spent all his fate, used all his might to survive on one wound. If I had not struck the horse, I would have killed Bard in that moment. But the damage was done. I took two might off Bard, I put him into red Bard, put him on his foot, and the same, and Dane was in this really awkward position where he was down a might point to force his heroic combat to go off so that he wasn't dealing with Rutabi. And yeah, the fights kind of just went messy for him. Uh, particularly the fact that now he'd lost... Uh, uh, very some very crucial might points, but particularly Alfred had stolen a might point uh, with his last will point. My uh, this is one thing I have to commend Sam for. He did two amazing things this game. One, he made sure that when he was giving the might points out, he was doing it when uh, models were at zero might, so that regardless of who got the might, he would have the might. Uh, there would still be a might point. It wasn't taking one away from like a bard or something like that. Second, he kept these forty mil gaps at the back of his line, so that he could. On the off chance I charged all my cavalry in, call her at combat with a dame or a bard, and swing back through this gap and charge my cavalry that were coming in the back. And this this bought him so much time. He kept forcing me not to commit my cavalry because I couldn't go in. I can't go in if Bard can suddenly duck back around the back and start hitting me, hitting me in the flank. That was that would spell disaster for my overall strategy. So in the end, Bard kept from having to fight these front to back fights and it came down to an edge. The fact that uh, he, my opponent has set up, uh, I think it was uh, the late town captain for a heroic move to kit everyone next turn and roll the one on Alfred, which meant Alfred took the might, crucially meant Dane now was out of the heroic move range for the next turn. So when my opponent did call the move, reset the line, reform the line, get in, Dane was flat-footed. He wasn't on the charge. He didn't have the rest of his army with him, and I was able to run in the Emperor, blade raft him up, kill his pig in the next turn, and also chip some wounds off the big man himself. Now, this is where things started to get really interesting in my back line, to trying to defend my uh, terrain features from my opponent and stop him from capturing his own. I was pretty confident I was capturing my own ter terrain feature at this point, and Brogear was untouched this whole game, just completely protected. Uh, but I had this back line that was kind of in a bit of a dire straits, but this is where the Wardrakes came in clutch. That's right, the Wardrakes came in clutch, and I, I cannot stress this enough. The amount of times I was able to call the drum on my back line, my cup, my cavalry, and an acolyte, and a pikeman or two, and be able to move them onto the objectives and still charge the wardrobe into one or two of the of the late town or slash uh, Iron Hills warriors was absolutely it, it was hugely impactful. It can change the complete landscape of that game and allowed me to keep putting pressure whilst both on the table in terms of getting physical kills as well as keeping my back line secure as well. 
uh, keeping keeping the objectives are secure, so my opponent, at the very least, couldn't grab three points, was only ever going to grab the one point, and this, I think, was the game-winning move by me. Uh, aside from the, the redefining the, the choke and uh, resetting the line with the Emperor, I think that was a clutch moment, but this, this was the macro move that really sealed it for me. I was able to mop up the eight models that my opponent had sent to go capture the objective, and was able to deny my opponent the ability to get onto theirs. He, I will admit, Sam had done this amazing, had done a phenomenally amazing job being able to bluff which of the four objectives he was going to. I Honestly, I had no clue until the very last turn, and yeah, it was, I cannot stress enough, Sam, you played this game so, 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 so well, and I think the only thing that maybe, maybe lost it for you was that, the, uh, we talked about this at length too at the end of the game, was the, the, the double heroic combat from Bard and Dane, when I had the heroic combat from, um, Rutabi and the Emperor. I think it would have been better for him to, to just let it go, keep the might so that next turn he had the ability to really, really push forward and really make a mess of my army and my lines and just basically trade a couple of kills because he was already trading up at that point. At the end of the game, even though uh, things had, had been a little bit shaky uh, uh, for me at the start with a couple of really, really close encounters of, of the worrisome side i did manage to win this game uh 10 nil at the last turn i managed to sneak a single guy in alfred got the wound through and he flopped his fate um and yeah i managed to also pick off dane which was the protect target from my opponent in the uh at the end of the game um dane just yeah was was in a, in, in a blade rafter uh dragon emperor and, and yeah just just got walloped uh uh by the elven blade there and yeah it was honestly this game this game was as close, if not closer, than um, some of the Masters games I played at Articon. This was a really, really brainy game. Lots of little micro-interactions, blocking off bases and stuff to stop things like Rutabi and uh, um, uh, the pig from charging in and doing some really cool, clever macro moves, you know. Oh, I'm going to commit 4-cav here, all right, well, I'm going to commit 8 you know, Lake Town and, and Shield meant to box off and, you know, I'm going to commit eight to, you know, six or so models to engage. All right, I'm going to drum to bring these guys back. So it was an absolutely phenomenal game. Really amazing pivots on both of our sides. Uh, I cannot stress enough how amazing this this 40 mil gap at the back of his lines to allow Bard to come through. Th that was honestly, it bought him so much time, so much tempo that I, I, I struggled to catch up and his retreat through the forest. Just everything about this game, both both of us were, were just pulling tricks out of the hat, left, right, and center, as well as we could. So, Sam, mate, you have given me, I, I think, you know what? You know what I'm going to say? You've given me the most, or is it, is it as good as the Eastling Reconnoiter game? Oh, I don't know, actually. I, I think it's on par. It's on par with, with my game against Kevin in Reconnoiter. I think th this was... This, this was a masterclass game, and I think anyone who watched this game, and there were a few that were watching, um, yeah, this 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 was a masterclass game. And, uh, yeah, 10-0-1, but I don't think that was indicative of how close the game was. And, yeah, Sam, all the best, mate. I hope you do amazing things at this tournament uh, and, and in the future because, mate, you're amazing. All right. Uh, anyway, that's it for me, guys. I'm going to wrap it up here, and I'm going to head out uh, for some drinks and food for some friends. Uh, so, yeah, without further ado, Traps are in Games. Thank you for listening to the Green Dragon Podcast. Please be advised that the Green Dragon Podcast is not suitable for children, the elderly, pregnant women, 
those with a history of heart conditions, or anyone expecting to receive worthwhile advice. You can contact us on the Green Dragon Podcasts at gmail.com. Yes, it has an S at the end. Or our Facebook page, The Green Dragon Podcast. We do not claim ownership of any works based on J.R.R. Tolkien, New Line Cinema, Warner Brothers, or Games Workshop. This podcast is purely for entertainment. The thoughts, as rare as they are, are solely that of our hosts and guests. Farewell, listener, until we meet again.